Hey, and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 tips and discussion podcast. I'm Hunter, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm John. And we're joined by our research assistant and old lore nerd, James. So, what are we doing here today? Well, we're going to be talking about Vampire the Masquerade, the fifth edition. And these first couple episodes, we're going to be putting together a tutorial for you, whether you're a new player or an old player coming into this new edition to get you ready to play the game. So today we're starting off simple. What is Vampire the Masquerade? But before we can go too into detail on that, why are we even talking about this game? I'll say I am a big fan of the newest game system because I like how they've streamlined and simplified everything. I like that it's easy for people that are not used to a more roleplay heavy game or even roleplaying at all can kind of ease into it in a way that you're just like, oh, okay, cool. I just need to worry about a couple of numbers as opposed to loads and loads of tables and all that noise. Yeah, and I like spooky shit, so... I mean, we're here for spooky shit. This lends itself to that. Yeah, I think the simplified rules really work well for spooky shit, though, because I've, like, run horror games and D&D, Ravenloft, stuff like that, and it's really fun and it's atmospheric until it gets to the point where it's like, all right, a spooky thing happened. But is your character scared? So if you could take your constitution bonus for me and then roll that on a d20, subtract that number from this challenge score, and then I'll tell you if you're scared or not. Kind of really slows everything down and it takes all the the gas right out of the situation. Kind of pulls that tension out from under you, yeah. Especially like, remember that uh, second ed game that we played? I really tried to make that as spooky as I could, but I felt like every single time I think that like we're talking about, it's like, it's spooky, now you have to fight it. Roll initiative. It's like once you can start fighting things, they're a lot less scary. Or at least once it's expected that you're going to fight things, it's a lot less scary. Especially in D&D when there's like specific turn orders that are set to a number and you're taking like speed initiatives. And it really and that this D&D is so slow combat comparatively. That, yeah. Whereas Vampire, it's like fast. You have one type of die. It's very quick you're like do you do the thing or not plus you know i'm a fan of oh there's consequences for you being a murder hobo oh my god yeah consequences are cool (laughs) (laughs) that's the first and only time you're ever gonna hear me say that what you like consequences (laughs) no no speaking of uh easy though i think it's also really easy for a new player to step into the setting because it is set in the modern world and so you can play it as if everything is exactly the same, except, you know, there's vampires and werewolves and mummies and ghouls. And I'm not going to keep going down this list because I don't know them all. There's a lot. It's not like D&D. It's like, well, does my character know how to ride a horse? And this it's like, well, can you drive a car? Well, most people can drive a car. So unless you've decided to not be able to. Yeah. Just do what you normally do. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a whole swath of just pop culture references you can pull from for any character and or setting that you want to do that's kind of in the common parlance where it's, you know, anybody who's seen a Blade movie, you basically can understand a Vampire the Masquerade game. Yeah, and I think it's also, we can talk about this more in a later episode, but just the amount of pop culture in like late 90s through early 2000s especially that uh, almost pulled directly from Vampire the Masquerade is almost scary. Like, lawsuits close (laughs) oh underworld you made some choices and they were not great underworld blade true blood Mm. twilight buffy oh buffy i like buffy it's fun but 
I mean, the team that did Buffy, didn't they work on the Kindred the Embrace show yeah, before that, that? Yeah, that we'll, we'll talk about that hellish TV show at some point. But I think both were made by, what's his name, Aaron Spelling or whatever? I believe so, yeah. I could be completely wrong, and everyone will correct me at the email. Well, yes, yeah, so just email us. It was a blank bodies at Gmail. Let yeah. us know when we're wrong. We love all of those pedantic messages. It's uh, going to be great. I can't wait to hear about how Aaron Spelling was the 90210 guy, and not the <laughs> Buffy guy. But That's uh, no, fine. But no, I mean, there is a ton of like little those little pop culture nuggets that are really just, oh, this guy played in a vampire LARP through college, got his English major degree and was like, you know what? I'm going to write a TV show about my life. <laughs> yes. This is a completely original OC that we don't have to worry about, you know, liability for. It's fine. Speaking of which, though... Um, it was announced recently that there is also going to be a new vampire TV show. So that that's another, you know, be easy stepping port for new players, you know. You watch Wait, this Netflix on, really? show. I don't think I heard about that. Yeah. Really? Did we talk about this already? Oh, we have talked about it, yeah, because I was like, like hey. Like I was there? Yes. I, I talked oh, about it. Like, <laughs> okay. Jason Carl <laughs> tweeted about it. Whoops. <laughs> In the alternate reality where we filmed this thing correctly the first time, we talked about it on that one, but that was erased because of file errors it's, yeah it's, yeah it's i don't fine. remember it it's fine episode fine. zero that you can only get by stepping into another dimension <laughs> and selling a finger for mm-hmm. um it was retconned but yeah it's a it's one of, it's the guy who produced the witcher series i believe oh mm-hmm. sick okay so right, i mean yeah. half terrified because netflix likes to treat their series like garbage after they get a season or two out but i mean witcher and castlevania were pretty good not much else was that good, though, so... Yeah, well, we shall see. There is hope. Cross them fingers. So, unlike this podcast, compared to other tabletop games, the tone is more dark and more adult. Yes, there there will more be themes adult. of violence and uh, social issues and uh, potential substance abuse and sexual encounters oh, and wow. all that noise. So, if those are things you don't want in your game that is fine you can run that how you want but uh those are motifs that happen in the series so eh. yeah there's a lot of stuff in the books that you might not want to run at your personal table we'll get more into that later cool yeah and uh it's also free so that's pretty cool like not having to pay like you know money to get player's handbook dungeon master's guide uh monster manual things like that you can get most of the resources just online right now Right. Well, there is a uh, free starter set, and that comes with a full adventure, um, pre-written characters, and enough of the rules for you to sit down and play through maybe three nights of game. You can get three to six nights out of that, just depending on how characters pace everything out. We are planning on going doing a more of an in-depth uh dive onto the starter guides because there's the freebie and then there's the $8 one that comes with a bunch of goodies that are really nice. But yeah, so there's the free kit and then there's the $8 uh, even more starter kit. Um, And then if you want to get into it, there is a single uh, handbook. It's just called it's just called Vampire the Masquerade V5 and that's got all the DM information for running a game. It's got character creation info, rules, lore story plot hooks 
So you get a ton out of that. And then there's other books you can get. And we'll talk about those later if you're interested in specific things about the game. But uh, if one person spends, what is it, 60 bucks for the physical, 30 for the PDF? Yeah, I think if you, yeah, also if you buy the uh, physical, you get the PDF with it. So it's like if one person buys the book, you can share that amongst the entire table and you're good. Or I mean, like if you're playing with a group of friends, that's... If the three of us did, that's 20 bucks a pop, you know? Okay, so we've used um, RPG multiple times. Let's talk about what the fuck an RPG is. Not a rocket-propelled grenade. You can get those, though. I mean... You probably could get those. We live in the States. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not not, not too hard. There's one in this house. It's not loaded, but there's one in this house. What? <laughs> what? The f- what? Yeah, it's one of those spent shells, like those single shell. Oh, thank. Oh, god. Yeah, remember you came over here one night, and Bennett and I were really hammered, like pointing it at the door. Oh, god, I have. Look, COVID has fucked my sense of time and reality so goddamn hard. I've completely blanked on two of my friends pointing weapons at me as a joke. Yeah, that was like the last real New Year's. Yeah. Anyways, so what the fuck is a role-playing game? Uh, <sighs> so, I wrote down a couple of dictionary definitions, because I am a... Uh, nerd. Nerd, yes. I, I I own that, it's fine. We We know what clans I technically belong in, and it's very upsetting. But yeah, uh, the rough of an RPG is a role if, for a role playing game. It is a game in which the players assume different character roles, usually in a fictional setting, and the game is moderated by some sort of referee or game master. Uh, that definition in, in Vampire. So in Vampire, there's no game master. They're called the storyteller. I.e., the game is more focused on telling a story as a group. That is one of the things I do like about the V5 system is uh, when you read through the core book, they make a point of this is a storytelling game and it's a lot of back and forward with the storyteller and the players on how a scene should go and character progression as opposed to you are just being told like, okay, this happens and this happens to you, then this happens to you and there's not as much player input. It's more of a collaborative effort and everybody's working on the game together. As opposed to, I am dictating things. I am the dungeon master. Look at me and my weird spooky bullshit. Yeah. Early D&D was also especially focused on that to the point where they'd have tournaments to see who could get through a specific set of challenges the quickest or the bestest or the least dead. (laughs) The least dead. Whereas I feel like if you propose that to any of the old fans of Vampire, uh, you might get stabbed. Or at least hissed at. Hissed at, for sure. They start doing Rochambeau. (laughs) They're just going to come at you doing rock, paper, scissors hands. (laughs) (laughs) I am angry and wearing a lot of pleather. I don't approve of this. And it's like, you know what? I I get that. That's fair. (laughs) So this collaborative storytelling we're talking about, it's so the the big difference between it and D&D from what I've gathered is uh, D&D or other role-playing games like that are very focused on the DM setting up a world and then figuring out how to guide the players through a storyline. 
Um, it's more like playing a linear game as opposed to like a sandbox where this collaborative storytelling seems a little bit more like we're playing in a sandbox. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nailed it. Yeah. Jinx or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also uh, a lot of D&D, especially if you buy like the pre-made adventures, which Vampire has too, but in D&D it's a lot of specific maps with uh, set out grids for everything and a specific amount of enemies in every spot. And the challenges all have preset difficulties and it's more uh, more like a choose-your-own-adventure game where this dungeon master in that game you know, runs the game and the players choose their answers. Whereas in Vampire, and you can do, some DMs do that in D&D, but in Vampire it's a lot more loose from the jump. So there's a lot more room for experimentation or making things up as you go. More improv or, you know, focusing on uh, character development and interpersonal struggles and personal horror as opposed to, ah, shit, I went to my penthouse and everything exploded. I mean, that happens sometimes, but like, why did it explode? Who put the bomb in there? Did you do it? Who knows? Eh, We'll figure it out. The monsters are on the inside. They are on the inside. Uh, that's also a fun thing. I, At least when I've run games for you guys, I've tried to incorporate the little storytelling uh, device that Jason Carl has where it's like, yeah, you're going to talk to the, the, the vampire monster that's in your head. So like when you guys are having an issue, you know, I've leaned in and gone like, hi. So uh, you're going to you're going to eat that kid. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You should do it. You should totally do it. We're really hungry. Do it. Do it. Eat the child. Do it. And then you can interact how you choose. The property crimes happen because you're in violation of reality's rules. And we're just taking away your property. The rules. Anything else we want to add to this segment? Uh, I think I'd eat a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You mean like a survival scenario or just in general? Or you're just like, no, 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 I want a snack pack. I mean, survival. Yeah, survival. If I had to. So I know there's certain amounts of um, like hunger you can sate in the game from eating a human. Does that change when it's a child? Yeah. What if it's a smaller human? This is for a different episode. <laughs> Stares in Men in Black. Stop it. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. It's fine. I'll answer that later. I actually have, I wrote notes about that. For the next episode, so we'll get into it. Yeah, Sweet, so we're going to talk about baby robot, and you know how much blood points a child is worth. Actually, that's much more prescriptive for old world Dirk as opposed to now. But you know what? We'll get into it later. Yeah, tune in for episode two: the amount of blood points in a human child. <laughs> All right, so now that we have an establishment for complete newbies about what the heck a role-playing game is, probably should discuss what this game actually is. So, long and short of the situation, Vampire the Masquerade is a gothic punk modern role-play game system where the players take on the roles of various kinds of vampires and their own interpersonal struggles within the group, themselves, with society, and... The players interact with the world based on various skills that are innate, like, you know, I went to college, therefore I have an academic background, or I was a mechanic, so I have all these, like, tech skills, 
And also you have your vampire powers on top of that as well. So some people are super strong. Some people are super fast. Some people are super charming. Some people uh, will pull you into the shadow realm. There's a wide swath of options. Yeah, you can play Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> the master of games. <laughs> Which is uh, not what anyone playing vampire is called. Never the master of games. <laughs> You fool! You've triggered my trap card! Back to the technocracy! Stop it. <laughs> He's very excited. So the overall story in Vampire the Masquerade is that it takes place in the modern day. Um, the world is exactly the one as you know it. However, uh, vampires exist. And they are actively trying to keep their existence hidden from humans. So, plot you've seen in every... Vampire movie that's came out since like 1993. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they have their own uh, hierarchical society and roles. And it's like a parallel world that's happening all the time and alongside our world. So you're telling me that creepy guy behind the Chuck E. Cheese counter could be a vampire. Yeah. Mm. That, that is an option, yes. I've always thought it. Well, they're open during the day, so probably a ghoul. Probably just oh, a ghoul. Okay, just a ghoul, got no. it. Or thin blood. Speaking of ghouls and thin bloods, what the heck are those? Whoa! <laughs> oh my god, I hate you guys. Uh, <laughs> basically, in Vampire, instead of having character classes, like you would know, like, the bard or rogue or, you know, all that fun snatch stuff. We do clans instead. So basically, depending on what clan you pick at, character creation means that you get certain vampire powers at a cheaper cost. So if you want to be a stealthy boy, you have a couple options. If you want to be a charismatic boy, girl, you know, whomever, you can do whatever gender you want. Do it. Do all the things. A lot of the different clans line up with different pop cultural idea and historical ideals of what vampires are. So, you know, you can play your Anne Rice vampires. You can play your uh, more modern uh, animalistic vampires. You can play your really old school, really ugly, like Nosferatu vampires. They're actually called the Nosferatu. But uh, there are clans for any kind of vampire just because... Two people sit down at the table, and one of them wants to play Fright Night, and one of them wants to play Interview Lost with a Vampire. Yeah, Lost Boys. Sorry, I got excited. But, yeah, you can do that. Cool. So we were talking about a hierarchical society here. Let's uh, tap into that some more. But yeah, so there are six tenets of vampire society, basically the only six laws that really exist. There are other ones that may come up during your story or that kind of thing, but that's something we can get into way later. Really, the main six laws that are required in your vampire are um masquerade domain progeny accounting hospitality and destruction so let's go through those real quick you said accounting yeah so we're we were just talking about how we don't do numbers but um anywho uh so the first rule the biggest rule pretty much the game does not function if this first rule is broken which is masquerade which is don't let the humans know. We live, no. Can't let the humans know. No doing your vampire powers in front of people. No, like, you know, putting yourself on, like, TikTok or whatever, being like, look what I can do. Yeah, no, don't do that. 
Yeah, don't superate yourself. Yeah. Uh, you, you can also breach the masquerade if you um, out someone else as a vampire and it's drawn back to you. Um, because even though those people aren't being like, oh, you're a vampire, you still reveal the existence of vampires to humans. And if anyone finds out that that's your fault, you're in trouble. Yeah, so if you want to take out a rival, you don't just want to go on TV and be like, I have proof that Jeremy's a vampire. And then someone realized that you told the Channel 8 that Jeremy was a vampire. You're also going to end up in the sunlight. Okay, but what if you did it on, like, Maurice? Because that's not very credible, right? I don't know what Maurice is. Is that like the new Jerry Springer? Oh, no, that's like, it was Jerry Springer during, it was just a different Jerry Springer, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, we'd cut the feed and erase that from all of the internet and all the things just immediately. The Maurice might li- might might fly because, you know, nobody believe it. Nice. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure there's an old episode of Jerry Springer that's helped my teenage daughter as a vampire and it's just about but it's just about how she wears like black lipstick. No, she was actually a vampire. A vampire? A vamp fuck you. <laughs> Don't you read the tabloids? Uh, but yeah, that's the first big thing. D- masquerade. Yeah, that's it's literally the title of the goddamn game. Yeah, so don't fuck that up. Yeah. Um, the second is domain, which is when someone is granted domain uh, over an area. It means they own it. It's their private hunting ground. It's their territory. It's just it's it's very feudal idea. But you know, if you feed in the king's hunting grounds, kind of thing, you have to get permission from whoever runs that domain before you can feed in that area or it's seen as a slight against them. Hmm. That one doesn't come up as much, I've found, but it is important. And it's not like the whole city is cut up into domains most of the time. Usually it's specific areas are like, oh, well, that belongs to that fuck. That belongs to that fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then there's uh, progeny. So, it, you know, the, there's that whole, like, you can turn somebody into a vampire thing. Yeah, if if you do that just kind of willy nilly, uh, you're you're fucked. Oh, like Lestat was all pissed off that uh, Louis brought home the little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah that good job. Hey, yeah, but basically you have to have permission from either the person who turned you into a vampire or people higher up in vampire society being like, yes, you can make your own progeny. And that leads us to your favorite uh, law, accounting. Oh, sweet. Get yeah, them so. numbers in, tickety-tack. Yeah, so you're not just turning vampires to do your taxes for you. Oh. Um, I wish they would call it something else slightly, but that's what they call it. But basically, if you turn someone into a vampire, you're responsible for all their actions until they gain autonomy, mm. which they have to earn. So they should really just call that accountability. Yes. The six traditions were written in the 1500s. This has probably gone through a few translations. Mm, okay. Fair. So, eh. So techni- what you're telling me is this is the real definition of accounting and what modern day humans call accounting is a farce? Yes. Oh, yeah. Capitalism oh. isn't oh. real. <laughs> There's no such thing as money. Yes, the syndicate made that, and we're very glad that you guys keep using it. Stop it! So uh, the next one is also a uh, modern-day career, but uh, it's hospitality, but it is not uh, providing poorly cooked shrimp to business people. 
Um, it is actually when you go visit a town or city that you're not from, you have to present yourself to that area's leadership and let them know that you're in their domain. Like present yourself like the guy at the Arby's drive through the other day? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't want to know. I meant more like, you know, it's kind of like going through vampire customs where you have to be like, hi, I'm passing through. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, I, I don't have nefarious plots. Yeah. Good day, my leash. It's closer to like the medieval tradition of like if you're a trader traveling through land, you have to present yourself to the king. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, okay. But let's be real about this. There's just as many trench coats. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. As the guy... I... You just need to stop going to Arby's, I think is the moral. Just stop fucking going to Arby's. Listen, their advertising was not lying. They've got the meats, and that guy showed them to us. <sighs> All right, so the last one is the uh, rules of destruction. It is a vampire crime to kill other vampires, a la what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't kill vampires. Yeah, if you are a vampire, don't don't kill other ones. Only like the 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 prince, the the head guy can grant access to vampire murder. So if I want to murder somebody in vampire world, I need to go to the prince and be like, "Hey, yo, prince, I want to kill this dude." I mean, that's one way to do it. Most people just do it behind each other's backs and just be like, mm. "Oh no, ah, Timothy died." Ah, fuck. I don't know how he got tied to the roof. I guess he fell down some stairs and out the window and into the sun. Right. Those ropes were just outside, I suppose. He really, if he's going to be doing kink play, he really should have set an alarm. <laughs> so he had time to like get out before the sunrise, but you know, oops. So don't kill vampires is what I'm learning. Yeah, don't, don't or kill. Or do kill vampires, but do it on the sly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mentioned that the domain rule doesn't come up very often, but destruct the amount of other vampires that i have fucking bodied over the years playing this game where this role has never come up is insane so it's really really up to your um storyteller obviously but as long as you're like even semi-smart vampires are pretty uh deadly things they disappear all the time oh no what also just so many times like, oh, yeah, we killed Timothy. And then like three nights later, you're at fucking Elysium just vibing. And there he is. And you're like, uh, what? Yeah, he just walks by and gives you like a smile while sipping a goblet of blood. And that's a whole new adventure. So what if you just picked somebody that nobody liked? Oh, you're most likely to get away with it. Cool. I mean, but, you know, if people know about it, they can use that against you later being like, aha. But what if we tell somebody above the prince that you did a vampire crime? So many plots. Yeah. Much like the uh, theater macabre in an uh, <laughs> interview with the vampire, a lot of this is uh, politics and social maneuvering. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good portion of the game as writ. But we used a couple terms there. So let's uh, peel back for a second. Uh, we mentioned the Camarilla. Uh, sometimes derogatorily called the cam or the ivory tower they're the elites they're the guys who run everything they were the original organization that started this vampire the masquerade yes because they had the the whole uh convention of thorns in the 1500s god damn it why am i being the lore nerd not only that but we keep mentioning so much shit that has like another peel off layer of explanation mm -hmm. Because you're not letting me interject into this, and it's not really a lore episode. We just keep getting lost in the weeds. No, it's a lore episode now, baby. Baby. But yeah, so the camera 
the people who are in charge, the ones who are watching you, and they're the ones who are most likely, even if you don't think they are, the one to be pulling your strings and giving you jobs. Down with the bourgeoisie? Yeah, they're the shitty rich. All right. So the Convention of Thorns, 1500s, started this Camarilla group. They've been existing till now. They're in charge of everything. And uh, the term we've used multiple times already, they install a prince into each city that they control. And a prince is basically in charge of everything. He has a final say. He owns that area. So I have a question for some of you who've been playing longer than I, and maybe you know. Um, why are they called a prince and not a king or a queen? Oh, because, oh, you, you think the ivory tower stops at just the prince? No, it's just a term I don't really ever hear, so. Yeah, because the way the, the hierarchy is with the Camarilla, because above, there's people above the, the princes. It's just a big web of hierarchy ending up with the... Uh, Council of Seven were the main shadowy kind of head folks of the Camarilla that I honestly don't ever run games. I get that deep into the, the hierarchy, so I haven't brought it up a table, really. And I, I think, I'm, I know I've heard of the Council of Seven, and I know some of the old books, it even mentions that most vampires don't even know they exist. For a lot of people, they think it does kind of end at the prince. Uh, there is also some uh, minor hintings at in the Dark Ages books of old world lore that uh, it was a hint that, you know, you can be a prince in this kingdom, but uh, no one is going to be above Cain. Uh, so it's kind of a respect to Cain. Um, well, when the original Council of Thorns, it was a light note that was added. It was never declared, but it was one of those small sprinkles for storytellers. And just for a note, because we threw them there, and uh, Cain is very biblical, but uh, he is considered the original vampire. And though it's not provable in most of the setting in books, depending how you read some stuff, way in the weeds about that one. But Cain is the original vampire that all the different clans descend from at some point. And so... That makes sense that if if the term prince does kind of relegate, oh, I'm the prince, but, you know, he's around. So sliding on the next rung of the ladder on vampire politics, the next big sec is the Anarchs, which formed initially in the 1500s as a, hey, so you, you uppity dickwads in the hierarchy that are just like yeeting all the baby vampires to do all your grunt work. Fuck that. And that's not been a super viable movement until recently in the lore. Now there's been a more of an anarch uprising where they're just like, yeah, fuck this tower thing. We're going to do our own thing with uh, uh, more equality and blackjack and hookers. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that a lot of anarchs still believe in the six traditions, but they just don't like the way that the Camarilla upholds them. So, I mean, they still don't want humans to know about them. For the most part, they still respect each other's domain. You know, they don't just create new vampires willy-nilly, all that. But they're more like, you know, but what if we did it the way Karl Marx wanted us to? <laughs> yes, that's that's one interpretation. Actually, if you go through the, the V5 Anarch book, I love that they're just like, yeah, the Anarch movement has loads of different options. So you can do... Uh, an anarcho-communist commune if you want, or if you want to do like a libertarian stronghold, you can do that too. There's 
a wide breadth of options within the anarch movement that you can explore as a party. And I'm just like, oh, that's great. I love that. Could we play Squidbillies in Vampire the Masquerade? Yes. As anarchs? Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. So the anarchs are much like the people I hang out with, completely compromising the bottom half of a political chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just the, the biggest distinction is the Cambria tends to uphold tradition and hierarchy, and they believe in following the wisdom of their elders and proceeding forward, while the Anarchs are much more into trying newer systems, and they're a little bit more egalitarian, usually. There are even in, I think, one of the books, uh, you know, more like biker gang Anarchs who are just like, oh, you're a new vampire, we're going to beat the shit out of you until you almost die three times, then you get a bike. Yeah. But I've always wanted a bike. I have a bike. You have a bike. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I've written we I we once tied a sled to the back of your bike and drove it through a field. I don't have that bike anymore. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I sold it and got a different one. So you, you still have, have a bike! You have multiple bike. bikes. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I didn't even have to get a shit beat out of me. <laughs> That's nice. God damn it. <laughs> But yeah, in the in the V5 system, those are generally the two big political sects in the vampires you're going to deal with. There is a third option. Yes. Uh, they have not really been officially mentioned yet, but they are officially mentioned as one of the upcoming books. So it would be bad for us to not at least mention. Uh, everyone's real excited to take this one. All right, buckle up, shit fucks. It's time to talk about the Sabbat, the ones that got it right. Otherwise known as the people that actually were the ones that got thrown to the wolves by that Council of Thorns. Not the ones that thought they had a problem and dissented. The ones that were, you know, the actual victims and went, why would we follow your rules? You literally used us as proxies. We hate you all. Fuck this. Time to make a shovelhead. And then they just fucked off. They're, they are generally... In Old World lore, we have nothing official to go off as of currently, but in Old World lore, they were considered to be the antithesis of the Camarilla, but we don't know where they're going right now. Uh, one of the old funny things in the Old World lore was the fact that they were technically right, even though they were monsters. Now they've kind of... It seems they may be changing them, so we can't officially say anything about them. They seem to kind of take a lot of their ideals from Old World and shifted it over to the Anarchs, which is perfectly fine. I mean, it's nice to be the right side, but not be so horny for murder and destruction and sociopath simulator. I, I'm glad that we've decided to use my term TM sociopath simulator for Vampire the Masquerade or most World of Darkness games. It's not wrong. Yeah, speaking of, of like a sociopath simulator, that's what uh, the Sabbat really were in old editions. And I mean, if you read the books and there's people who like them and they'll tell you differently and they might be right. But for the most part, most of the Sabbat across the series are kind of run as the de facto bad guys. I'm right here, guys. Thank you. know, come to think of it, I think my mom and dad played a Sabbat game. They fought demons. Like you could run spot in many, many different ways. Uh, just the big differential for them is they uh, eschew the the masquerade traditions. Yeah, they basically think they should rule over humans. 
They uh, shouldn't have to hide who they are, what they are. They should kind of be in control, in charge. Yes, but this is they run the gambit from just uh, owning what they are fully and just being uh, murder town, just fucking steamrollers to just uh, more theological kind of studious. Just eh, they they want to do their own thing, but they're not particularly harmful. But uh, most games that I've run into with Sabat as, like, PC Sabats myself, uh, it's just been like, oh, this person wants to wantonly describe, like, assaults and gruesome murder and torture and just kind of be a little problematic in the group and not get into the philosophy as much, which is why I've not been super interested in playing Sabat games myself until recently. Because there is a bit of lore in the V5 system for the Sabbat. So basically, a lot of what they have been working towards is this thing called Gehenna, which is like the end of the world vampire thing where uh, Cain, Bible Cain, wakes up and goes, what the fuck have you guys been doing? Uh, I'm gonna eat everybody, and it's basically an apocalypse. But even like the scholars for Gehenna don't even really know it. Gehenna, when we, he says he's gonna eat everyone, they don't know if that means he's just gonna eat all the vampires, or if that means he's literally going to eat all living things on Earth. Or if it's just a metaphor, eh, you know, pulling like Sumerian text tablets and just being like, I'm trying to figure out what this means. We'll get into the Book of Nod episode later. Yeah, that's a future episode. Hopefully we get to keep doing this and we don't get uh, murdered. It's fine. <laughs> but at least with the uh, uh, the new lore stuff, basically the reason there is not a lot of text for them in the V5 system is... Uh, the signs for Gehenna started a happening and a load of vampires in the Sabbat got really excited and they all fucked off to the Middle East to go suppress the uprising of Cain and all of the, the super old, bad, powerful vampires that live in the sand. Yeah, that's a, that's another uh, little background lore thing that we can get into later. But if you're playing, it's I think it's important to bring up here just because if you're an old world player coming back to the system, I think this kind of bit of lore kind of fixes all the things that are different from when you used to play um, is what's called the beckoning. Uh, basically, all the elders and more ancient vampires es- essentially all got pulled out to this holy war in the Middle East. And so a lot of the older vampires from, uh, at least so far we know, like London and uh, the United States. Oh, just, everywhere. Oh, it is everywhere. confirmed everywhere. Yep. They all just kind of fucked off and so a lot of the younger vampires are having to step up and take over basically they're maybe not gone there are some elder people who resist that and are in hiding they work and some have resisted it and are not in hiding so so really i think that's a good really important if you're trying to play from the point of view of the old games and you want to keep some of that flavor in it's just say oh well what happened to this guy oh well he's in the middle east yeah. Doing things. It's stuff. Vampire war. Yeah, no longer do you have to just start up a character and spend 20 merit points to be, you know, a 6th gen because you want to be able to grind the power level. Yeah, what he said. But if you're a newer player, the nice thing is it's like, oh, you can start as a newbie, like fresh newbie, have no idea what the fuck's going on. And that's fine because the people above you don't know that much more. So if, if nobody at the table knows 100% of like, the 30 years of lore that have been written for this game system. It's fine. It can be a group discovery process. 
or you could never open those books ever and take the main book and just go off and do your own adventure. And I, I think that's a really cool way to do it too. We we've been playing through the game, uh, and she, Sarah's our uh, storyteller, and we've been following some of these adventure paths and hooks. But there's nothing stopping us from just like murking a vampire who shows up in one of the stories she wanted to run for us later on, and she'll just have to figure out what to do about that. So lore is a very fluid thing anyway i mean we're not following the tenants right now because aren't we planning on murking a vampire oh no no no! that's fine because you got sanctioned by the prince to assassinate one guy specifically in defense of the masquerade so oh, i meant balthazar that one technically yes but if you do it and you don't get caught no one's gonna be particularly upset because <laughs> yeah, he's I a remember, racist prick i remember prince jackson was like i mean it would suck i guess if he died uh, yes, even though I am considered to be the resident lore nerd, I would like to state for the record now, I will state for the record most usually times, anytime I'm speaking of old world lore or current canon lore at this point, uh, much like you should all remember as STs, the lore is up to your interpretation. I can interpret things from old world that may have influences on 5th ed, but that does not mean that it is the concrete canon as to what's happening we don't know until they officially say anything and remember you're the st you get to decide i really like the uh rule too which is if your character wasn't there for that event that could just be a rumor say there's a character you love who from the old lore who in the new book say he got offed not around anymore maybe just got real hurt and went into hiding for a while um and it's just rumored that he was dead you can do all kinds of stuff like that so and the second Inquisition is a group that's comprised of the U.S. government, uh, the Catholic Church, and it's all humans. And they're basically humans that found out that vampires exist, and they don't want them around anymore. So they're government church vampire hunters. Second Inquisition's a little amalgus, at least with the way things have been presented for V5. So if you want to run X-Files, Spec Ops, like MI5 things that's totally an option if you want to run stuff where it's the the society of saint leopold and spooky religion stuff you can do that you can have a cell of hunters that are evangelical nutbags you Ooh, can have like college the dude students from helsing yeah you could do that you nice. can have college students that are just like ah my vampire my roommate got hit by, by vampire or my boyfriend my vampire boyfriend broke up with me so fuck it i got all my friends together and we're gonna murder him you, could just you have can do a, that you could just have a bunch of guys that kick ass for the lord yeah <laughs> Air quotes, humans. But yeah, that's that's really what the Second Inquisition is. It's um, just a major reawakening of uh, knowledge in humans about vampires. And those humans being like, I don't like it. It needs to die. We're going to organize and get guns and a budget. <laughs> and blackjack? And hookers? I, I would assume if they're... Um, Military contractors, there's probably going to be some blackjack and hookers. Oh. Or if the church is involved. Yeah, that's hey. true. Yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's one of the big uh, impetuses of maintaining the masquerade and the new system that I really like is they put a big focus on tech. Of like, hey, so uh, yeah, don't get tracked by the Second Inquisition, you know, that might have branches in the NSA. By the way, everybody has a cell phone. Good luck. Or maybe something called the New World Order. Just Stop being horny for your bosses. I'm not wrong. 
You're getting just a little ahead of yourself. Fuck no. Uh, last ones are pretty quick here. We got the kindred. That is just what vampires call each other. They generally don't call each other vampires or vamps or anything like that. They call each other kindred. Well, that's generally more of a like a Camarilla term for each other. So they're a little bit more proper and formal and all that jazz. Uh, Anarchs canonically are more refer to each other as licks and a various multitude of other nicknames. Licks. Yeah. You know, because when you bite somebody, you can lick and close the wound. Yeah, that's a cool ability all vampires have. When you feed on someone, you can hide the teeth bites. By giving them a little... Little, little slurp. Yeah. I like that. It's and hot. then if you're... <laughs> If you're horny, I guess it is hot. But uh, if you're in the Second Inquisition, they have a term for vampires based on the fact that they do not show up on heat signatures or any kind of medical testing. And the term is blank bodies. Oh. Oh. Hey, Hey, roll credits. Yeah. But um, another term that we mentioned a couple times I think is important to bring up are uh, thin bloods. Um, In the lore, uh, they're basically vampires that come from are sired turned by a member of a vampire clan but then that vampire that they create isn't a member of that clan you know they don't have those abilities they kind of do their own thing um they're not as strong generally as regular vampires at least supernaturally um and it's kind of a thing that was very rare in the old world of darkness so like the nine late 90s um and it's becoming more uh common in the modern nights, and a lot of the old people used to think that that was a sign of Gehenna, and now no one really there's no one's really sure what it is. But there's a fuck lot of them. Most people don't like them or give them respect unless. Yeah, well, that that can run the gambit of you know anarchs that consider thin bloods to be of the blood vampires, and then they should be integrated into society normally. To uh, really uh, almost fanatically religious. Uh, the few olds that are floating around, they're just like, oh, it's a sign of the end times. We need to cull them. You can run that entire gambit. And the Camry is basically just like, oh, they're not useful. All right, well, not. it's not even so much they're not useful. It's just they're not really vampires, so they don't get the same rights. They don't have, they don't have as many abilities, but they don't have any, as many drawbacks. They can spend a little bit of time in the sun. It's, can... it's a mixed bag, depending on how you do your build. They give a lot of options for that in the core book. Uh, but at least lore-wise, it's, you know, you can run the gambit of, you know, either uh, they're they're a group of lost souls that don't know what they're doing and they just need to be informed and educated to just, they need to be exterminated with prejudice. So unlike in real life, you're not just prone to being cold. Uh, Thin-bloodedness uh, has a lot more effects on what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they have their own Oh, I just got sets. that. <laughs> I just got that. That was damn good. It. That was good, buddy. God damn it. It's fine. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's a good little rough uh, pass of the basics. So that way, when we, as we go on to the next couple of episodes, when we go into how the dice work and how the modules are going to work, you'll, when we say things... Hopefully. Yeah, and we'll have uh, lower episodes later on. Um, and if there's specific things we mentioned that you're interested in, um, you can always email us at uh, blankbodies at gmail.com. We'll have that down in the show notes. But, you know, let us know what you want to know about. 
Yeah, because I think, yeah, we have plans for doing deep dives on, like, the specific clans and their histories and how they work and fun things you can do with them if you want, depending on if you want to go super tropey or be like, nah, 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 we got some weird shit if you really just want to go fucking ham. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably do factions and old world history lore and, you know, you want to hear about it, let us know. So we've all been playing for a pretty long time. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to go around the table and talk about, you know, how we all actually got into Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, well, you start, Skipper. Uh, well, so actually I started playing role-playing games um, relatively-ish young. I started being around them as early as I can remember. Some of my earliest memories were sitting under the dining room table while my mom and dad and their friends played second ed D&D above me, and they had, like, little cardboard miniatures and i was playing those out well then they started playing vampire and well i wasn't allowed in the room for that um (laughs) a little bit more adult but they all had the books and i remember looking through these books and seeing some really cool art and seeing just like a very different setting than what i was used to when i was looking at all those DD campaign books and uh i was like this is cool and then i started reading them and then i started kind of nerding out about them and then my grandma was concerned that i was being obsessed with vampires and monsters because i grew up in conservative northern indiana but yeah i didn't get to play until actually i started hanging out with you guys i was just obsessed with the like spooky if i'm being real spooky spooky no, i mean that that's kind of similar to my experience. Um, I used to go to used uh, bookstores all the time, and go buy CDs and comic books, that kind of thing. And there, so I'd go and you know, always on the lookout for like weird punk and industrial CDs. And I would then you know nerd out in the comic book section. And there's always these couple of shelves next to the comic books. Um, with like the D and D books and that kind of thing. And sometimes I'd glance over, I was never a huge fantasy guy. You know, I love like the Hobbit, but that's the most I really got into fantasy at a younger age. Um, and then one day a book caught my eye and I was like, well, holy shit, this looks like the like ministry and Depeche mode albums I'm buying, but it's a whole book. And I bought it. I didn't even really, I don't even know if I really knew it was a game at first, but I was like, this is $3, which by the way, can we, Talk about how much I miss being able to buy these fucking books for $3. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I started buying them, looking through them. And I think it was, like you said, when we started hanging out and we had started talking about D&D, we'd met at, like, a concert. And we were like, I've always wanted to play. And you're like, I love D&D. So you and I started hanging out. And then you had some of the vampire books. And you were like, yeah, it's a game. We got to play sometime. And then I think it took us a couple years from there. But eventually we did. Yeah. Um, I did play a couple games before that in college on reddit and i'm not proud of the <laughs> no it's fine I'm sorry hunter it's fine if you were somehow in my college vampire the requiem online reddit game uh i, I have no hard feelings school just got in the way <laughs> that hurt my programming those words let us not <laughs> let us not talk about chronicle it was a silly time oh that, no that reality doesn't exist anymore thank the maker no, that's still around. It's doing stuff. Fuck it is. I'm not really paying attention, but it's doing stuff. Yeah. I get those emails. What about you, Sarah? Oh, God. Uh, 
I'm going to apologize to anybody who might be involved in the marketing for this game system right now. <laughs> uh, oh, God. It's ugh. so I've always been one of those like weird people that's like, oh, yeah, I like unsolved mysteries and the A&E crime documentaries and cold case files and all that stuff. I don't remember which one it was, but one of them had an episode where there was uh, a guy in Florida that uh, took his little vampire troop and murdered his girlfriend's parents and then fucked off to New Orleans. And I'm sorry that that's a real murder. And I was watching that episode and I went, wait, there's a game where you can be a vampire. Fuck the murderer. Just, what? <laughs> like me all of like 10 or 12 just being like, wait, there, there are other nerds that like this stuff and they get in costumes and play this game. What the, what the fuck is this? But again, I immigrated to rural Indiana, so I had no access to this stuff. So it wasn't until high school, early college where I found people that played the games. I've joined like one LARP and I've played a few games in old world and I've played in Chronicles and with our group, I was the one that got really excited for V5 and was like, I'm buying all the books and we're going to play this. God damn it. And we have been, and I think it's been a fairly good time so far. Yeah. Yay. Thanks, Sarah. Yay. Uh, just as an aside, I mean, we've all been playing games together since like 2010. Yeah, but uh, I think the longest running games we uh, have have always been World of Darkness games. We've played D&D together a couple times. We've played Shadowrun. We've done some Call of Cthulhu one-offs. We've done some systems I can't even remember the names of one-offs. Probably for the best. But I think our longest running game was my Hunter the Vigil game that we we've played. We've taken breaks, but really it spanned like five years at this point. I think <laughs> yeah. um, this is in gone. game. It's been like four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's because we keep pausing because the game is set in 1994, and one of us will make a pop culture reference, and then the game comes to a screeching halt because we all have to Google if that movie's been released yet. Yeah, um, we are now. It's a good time. We are now, I think, like three days before Waco. So we also Google Waco far too often on our phones for the NSA <laughs> to not be following us. Oops. It's already happening, guys. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I just think that's interesting, though. But And now with this game, you know, we're going into our second year, I believe. Yeah. Like, well, we started... We'd been playing for about maybe a year before the pandemic it hit. So this is probably into our third year because we played some of online. Yeah, because ran the game a bit online and then it was just, I'll be honest, I've been having health problems and I was just like, eh, no. So how, James, how did you get into World of Darkness? At least as my program tells me, uh, I grew up in a very rural area, not in the same state y'all did. And uh I found uh, the alpha nerds to uh, introduce me to D&D at a very, very young age. And it was like, oh, something I could do that uh, didn't make me feel like uh, everyone was trying to kill me. Like they were trying to erase my code, you know, stuff like that. And then progressed through the usual systems like most people do. I went through D&D and then moved up to Indiana, at least coding says. And uh, yeah, went to a few used bookstores and then found the alpha nerd up here. And they were like, hey... I want to do this dark, edgy game. Is that when they installed Windows 10? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, no. This was the early 2000s. Oh, XP. No, worse. Yeah, and then I, uh, I got to introduce myself into the lovely world of Vampire, and that was a, was a 
fun, interesting time where it was like, oh, play a Nosferatu. And then the whole group sees you do a prank and they're like, why didn't you play a Malkavian? And you make a Malkavian and then Alpha Nerd fucks off. And then, as uh, Hunter said, uh, I also was a frequenter of the uh, used bookstore where I requisitioned uh, many, many books to uh, be added to the knowledge pile. And here I am today with the lore hold in my head. And I think this is probably true for most of us here. Um, But Skipper had mentioned this to me when we were talking about this before we recorded. But World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, and all its offsets were kind of one of my first introductions to subculture of any kind. Um, You know, as I got older, I started playing in bands, got involved in the music scene. We all ran a show house for a long time where bands would play in our disgusting basement. We did have to throw away a couch because a crust punk band stayed the night and one of the members slept on the couch and there was just like a film on it we couldn't clean. So we just burnt the couch. But yeah, so people ODing in our old house and grindcore bands vomiting on themselves mid-set. But who that one dude that was completely naked and tied a Halloween skeleton to his dick? Oh yeah, and then he swung it at people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a shirt from them. I still have it. Nice. But uh, I guess I guess what we're saying is none of these enriching, uh, heartwarming life experiences would have ever wouldn't may have never come to us if we hadn't have gotten into vampire. And um, we should just start that over. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave it in. It stays. <laughs> we'll see how much of our, uh, our gross punk lives ends up in this podcast. Probably a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. Yeah. There's a really interesting documentary. I think it's just called Vampire: The Masquerade. Uh, it's free on online on that damned website by that company with the jeff guy who i won't give uh credence (laughs) of saying their name but uh we watched it for free and i thought it was really interesting the guy who did all the art for the original books uh when they had to draw vampires uh he just had all his friends who were in bands in industrial and noise and metal and punk bands he just like have them dress like they did and draw them and then he'd like add teeth and it's like yep they're a vampire now and I, I think that kind of culture, and even all the way up until like when I started going to shows like 2008, uh, kind of rang true. And it still felt very authentic and real in a way that, to my life, no other role-playing game probably ever could. I would definitely say like looking through the art and reading the old books when I didn't have anyone to play with, it definitely gave me a different viewpoint on, air quotes here, uh, alternative culture and all those kinds of things um it it, you know because before that i grew up again uh northern indiana pretty conservative it was like those people were weirdos and freaks and you can't you can't trust them they're all drug addicts and then while reading the world of darkness books like didn't help that much let's be real but (laughs) like did did give me another viewpoint other than like that you know tall lanky weird punk dude that was buying cookies in the like grocery aisle this was Again, probably one of my first experiences with like weird alternative cultures. Yeah, I'll also, I'll own that. It's like, yeah, if I was if I wasn't doing you know punk music stuff and being involved in the scene, I uh, there's like this, and then I have like my like kink stuff that I've done on and off, and then Vampire the Masquerade for my gothy stuff because it's just like <laughs> you know I was like. Eh, Got to use the latex somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's also like, because I'm, I'm a huge history and philosophy nerd, so, you know, reading lore in the books, I just be like, oh, how 
amalgam is this to actual events and then you can go read about other countries and cities and cultures to get the context for that. And then if I'm running the game, I'm like, oh, I can use this event and just plop that over here and then just make everybody really uncomfortable. Alright, so that brings us to the end of our first episode here at Blank Bodies. So, what do we have for the future of the show? So, in the immediate future, we're going to have... Next episode, we're going to go over basic dice mechanics for V5, and the hungy dice, and what things have changed on the dice pools. And then third episode is going to be a crash course in the little starter modules, and just... By the time we are done with the first three episodes, you should know enough to be able to just, like, go! We're doing bat stuff! Yeah, and then uh, looks like episode four is probably going to be creating your own character, making your own vampire. Uh, the starter set that we're talking about in episode three does come with pre-mades, but I think the next step would be getting your players to create their own characters and go from there. And then episode five, we're going to talk about uh, player interview sheets and consent sheets. So what kind of story are they in? interested in telling what kind of story beats do they enjoy what kind of things do they not want in a story what do you they want to avoid that kind of thing just help you all tell a better story as a group and from there we're gonna kind of see what people are interested in we've talked about doing episodes for specific clans specific factions we might do uh, bits of lore from the old books we might do the individual different settings like changeling werewolf mage that kind of thing uh, we also want to do some homebrew, maybe take some, you know, watch a movie, TV show, review it and talk about what you can pull from that into your own game. And then we also would love to interview people who run LARPs around the country, play in LARPs, people who do stream games, anyone who's involved in the World of Darkness um, community in any sort of way. And if that's you or you want to let us know what you want to hear more about, uh, feel free to email us at blankbodies at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, Blank Bodies Pod. And then we've got a Discord group as well, and the link to that is down below. We're going to probably end up running some polls down there, just be hanging out, playing video games, streaming movies. You can watch me suck at video games. Yeah, it's kind of fun, good. though. Yeah. yeah. I like watching you suck at video games. Sick. Ooh, tell us if you're a vampire. We'd yeah. love to interview you. Yeah, if you're a real-life vampire, we would love to interview you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> Let's see. And then I just want to give a big thanks to Paralyze for the use of our theme song, Millions of Dead Cyborgs. We also had some other bands on the show today, Out in Public, Sonora, Home Invasion, and TV Drugs. And uh, all their band camps are linked down below in the show notes as well. You check them out. Go uh, buy a song or two. Help them out. And I think that just about does it for this week. See you again soon. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.